0: Amen, amen, amen. Well, Pastor, Brother Joseph, I love you. You and I, I think it was 2015 when we first met. We met on the battlefield. The battlefield I'm going to talk about. We met in someone's home who was struggling with the idol worship of addiction. And I saw the compassion in your face and the empathy for this person. I still see you today. In my mind, how much you care. And I just want you to know that Pastor Joseph cares for you, cares for his flock. He's a great shepherd, great pastor, and a great friend. I truly, truly love you, brother. Thank you for bringing me here. And and, and let's encourage him. And he also convinced me to take my jacket off. You know, I'm always having my coat on, and it feels good up here. I'm ready to move, ready to rock and roll. So grace and peace be with you, church, and the love of Jesus Christ. It's good to be here again with my family. I truly love you guys. I love you so much. I love being here. And I truly don't feel the heat because I'm in Christ. And so... But uh, as Joseph said, I am uh, Deacon John Carlson from Christ Church, South Philly, and also honored to be the executive director and founder of an addiction ministry called Transformation to Recovery, which was born out of the affliction of addiction. Amen? And I want to say I love y'all, each and every one of you. And I hope this message has something uh, that will transform your heart today, whatever you're struggling with. So let's turn our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to go through verse 1 through 10. And as you're turning there, I'd like to share a little story about someone. This someone is a gentleman, a pretty big stout man, a construction worker, very smart guy, drove a pickup truck, probably one of those Ford 150s and this man was a man of responsibility he was on the job site every day uh, and came home and he had his own agenda he had a son i think he was in first grade a real young son that he loved so much and he had an agenda every day how to get his son from school and other things um so it sounds like this guy had it all together only one problem he was an alcoholic severe drinking drinking every day to his, uh, till he passed out to go to sleep. But one of the things he would do when he was done work, he was, he was the foreman, came home at three, he would plan on picking his son up at his son's elementary school. But on his way to the school, actually past it, a block further was his favorite store called Spirits, a liquor store. And so he had a plan how to pick up his poison for the day while he was picking up his son. See, this guy struggled for years and years. He went to 12-step meetings. He went to counseling. He went to detox maybe a half a dozen times. None of that worked. But he kept on drinking. And so this one particular day, he was driving as he always did to pick up his son and he's going towards the elementary school. And this day had an overcast like you wouldn't believe. And cells were in an area that's thunderstorms and lightning. And it was a dangerous day out. And as he was driving towards his son's school, on his way to the liquor store first, it was only a block down, he would go get his liquor and then come back and get his son. The sky started opening up pouring rain and lightning and thunder you never even seen before. And he drove past that school, and in his rearview mirror, he looked back and he saw the school doors open, and his son came out by himself. Not sure what happened with the aides there, but he was out by himself, and he saw in the mirror his son's face of despair, crying, sad, and needing his papa. And as he was driving to the liquor store, he looked behind in that mirror and he saw that son, and something happened in his heart. And he started crying and he had pains in his chest, and all he could think about is getting his son. And he applied the brakes and turned that truck around, didn't approach that liquor store, went back, picked his son up, hugged him, and brought him in the truck and took him home. Never. To return to the drink again that's a true story in my heart it is I heard it from somewhere and two things I see here how strong the bondage of sin is and addiction is idolatry and but we also see how strong love is through God's power that was God's power see 12 steps self-merit, clinicians, counseling, John Carlson, TTR, could not help him. The only thing that can help him is Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Friends, Jesus is love. The Father loves us so much that he does not want us in any addiction or, or an idol. Addiction is not just identifying with drugs and alcohol. As Pastor Joseph said, it's an idol you put before God right? And so an idol is the worship of someone or something other than God as though it were God or you hold more important before God. My morning devotion, how God works, he's got, he's right in tune. He says through the reading, those who reject the Lord for false gods will not be saved in the end. I want you to think deep on the fact that you may have an addiction right now, an idol that you're dealing with. And what, it, what that is that needs repentance. But remember God's love. John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Amen? So this is a testimony of someone who struggled 20 years with holding an idol against God. Let's go to our text and read that, and then we'll pray for the word. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them, we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of our flesh, of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is the gift of God not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus the Christ, our Lord and Savior, we ask that you forgive us our sins Because we are sorry of our sins and we repent and turn to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The only answer. And Father, we just lift up this word today that you teach this word to all of us. Through the Holy Spirit of God and help us to be transformed people in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. If you haven't guessed it, the person we're talking about is me. I identify with this scripture But I want to ask you to please join in me while we teach this to think about what's on your heart and what is your addiction. See, I struggled for 20 years in the affliction of addiction with no end in sight because of sinful pride, selfishness, self-control. Those were the base foundations of my addiction. And by the way, I came from a good home. It wasn't a destroyed home at all, right? It was very good mom and dad, parents, plenty of money and food on the table. I graduated college and went to work in the corporate field. I looked good in the world, so to speak. Company cars, good pay, travel, expense accounts, you name it, I was living the life of riches. That's where I was. Then eventually, might have been my second love in my life came to me and that was alcohol and i started drinking that and you know in the corporate field that's what they that's their idol there cocktail parties always making uh connections over a drink and i drank more and more and more i'm not here to tell you the whole tragedy but i'm going to tell you that drink turned into something stronger it turned into illicit drugs Opioids cocaine you name it if they had a drug that was going to get me high. I was taking it So the tragedy part crashing two company cars Crashing my wife's car my mom had leukemia at the time almost ready to pass away And she rejected me my family rejected me and finally Janine my wife some of y'all know rejected me for my good and I went and lost everything and went into a broken-down hotel room, motel room, they call them, in Gloucester City, New Jersey. I found myself abandoned, alone, in this motel room for approximately two weeks, and sores, cuts, uh, two-week-old clothes on my back, fired, everything gone, and I was approaching uh, the day of a Sunday in June where all was lost. And I found out a joy that I had in my life at that point. A hope. It wasn't the gospel. It was that I could take my life. And my joy at that moment was I can end it all that day, that minute. And it brought me hope. That's how addiction is destructive in people's lives then something happened that involves a miraculous prayer just before I took my life I will leave you there and return a little bit with the ending the problem was that I didn't even know I had a problem all these years sometimes you don't I thought I was doing what I was doing was normal in this worldly way can anybody relate in here Until one day, my little brother-in-law came up to me at a normal day, at a normal dinner, at a normal drinking session with relatives, and he came up to me, this little kid, looked me in the eyes and said, John, you're acting goofy. Sounds funny, and it's a funny word, but my heart knew what this little kid was telling me. This little kid was telling me I had a problem with alcohol. I went home that night, and I cried to non-belief because of the fact that I finally knew I had a problem. That was God waking me up. Let's look into the verses. Verse 1 and 2 says... And you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. If you read this text, Paul ended the last chapter by considering that the ultimate example of God's power was resurrection of Jesus Christ. And now Paul considers what implications Jesus' resurrection's power are for our life going forward. In our former state without Christ, we were dead. Genesis 3 tells us all about that problem, how men fell in sin. So trespasses and sins are normal procedures in life according to the course of this world. In some cases, we don't even know we're sinning. The idea behind the word trespasses is that we have crossed the line. We crossed the boundaries of Christ, of God. The idea behind sin is that we have missed the mark, the perfect standards of God. But the hope or answer is in His Word. Right, church? His Word restores us to life. We already know this. We read it in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. See, we are conforming to the course of this world when practicing sins and trespasses, even if we think it's normal. Let's look into what the Apostle James and John says about this world We're going to go to James first. He says, All adulteresses and adulterers, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. James 4.4. Here's the answer from John. Do not love the world, That's in 1 John chapter 2. Friends, we are not to love the things of the world, but do the will of God. And so we ask a question, what's God's will? And the answer is, you will find it in His Word. Read His Word, people. So we receive death from sin, but not just physical death. Right, We receive spiritual death. I remember I wasn't always in Philadelphia. I lived in Deptford, New Jersey. Deptford, we call it. And what a beautiful area. And that's when I was exploring the Word of God, and I always believed in God. I wasn't born again at that point, but I, for some reason I was praising Him. And I would sit down and pray, but I was at the same time in active addiction. And I remember this one time I knelt beside my bed and I didn't hear him. I didn't know he was there and I didn't get receive any answers, which normally I would. That's because I was an active addiction. Paul says, for the wages of sin is death. I was spiritually dead. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord, Romans 6.23. Bottom line, we are dead in our former state without Christ. Dead. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, three to, uh, verses 3 to 4, New King James says, But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, those minds the God of this age has blinded. Who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Friends, the God of this age is Satan, and the things of this world are in his counsel. He deceived Eve, if you remember, and his job is to deceive you. But in Christ, we cannot be deceived. Because his word is our plumb bob. Any construction workers here? Maybe that's out of date, but we used to use a plumb bob that would measure up the cornerstone or the corner uh, two by four in order the rest of the building can be perfectly measured off of that. Our word is our measuring tool, right? We measure by the word of God. We know deception because we know the word of God. Federal agents who go out in the field and look for counterfeit. They study the true $100 bill till they throw up. And when they go out in the field, we can't see it. They could spot a little tiny strand and know that's a counterfeit because they know the truth. That's the Word of God. There's no excuse in here to be deceived. You need to know the truth. Satan, he is called the Prince of the Power of the air, and is still very much active among the folks in rebelling against God. Who are now also in this thing they're indicated the sons of disobedience. They are Satan's counsel, which he leads them fleshly, them in fleshly lusts and desires that result in death. It might be only spiritual. And here's something to swallow. If one is not in Christ, he is in Satan. There are no other options. A great text to explore for homework tonight, if Pastor Joseph allows you, is Romans chapter 6. In there, it states that we have a choice to be slaves to sin or slaves to righteousness. Sin is from Satan and righteousness from Christ. We find in verse 2, there is a glimmer of good news. We see the word formally. This word indicates things past and looks to the hope of restoration. Formally gives an addict hope. So stay tuned, I'm going to bring you that hope soon. But John chapter 3, verses 19 to 20, New King James says, And this is the condemnation. "...that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light lest his deeds be exposed. Children of wrath are the ungodly who suppress the truth, who love darkness and hate the light." Friends, that's where I formerly dwelt, in that darkness. Romans 1:18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress. Suppress means pushing down with, with weight, pushing down with intense pressure the truth in unrighteousness. It's simply We know the truth. We have general revelation. We saw the sunrise, the mountains. We see the sea, but we reject the truth because we want self. That's addiction. Let's look ahead at verse 12, which describes our position. That at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. Friends, our position was without hope and without God. That's what hell is like. You have no God. You have no hope. Verse 3 says, Among them... "...we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging in the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest." So indulging means to give yourself up to something, right? And the need is to give ourselves up to God. But in this case, the indulgence is in our desires of our flesh, and our wayward deceived mind, which brings forth death. This is the answer to y'all before you get into addiction. This is your cheat sheet to understand. James tells us Satan's formula for death in chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. He says, but each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own, own, own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, indulging, it brings forth, uh, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is full grown, it brings forth death. Our desires, our idols, brings forth death. Just think in your heart how many people are walking around today. I'm a runner. I see many people out on the streets Walking in death. And we need to bring the light of the gospel to that. So just on the way here, Bob and I and Jim, we saw a person we tried to help the other day. Just Saturday morning, I got this person to the crisis center. I'll share this. He had two heaping, gaping wounds on his arms from Trank. It eats their flesh away. He needed a detox. I said, can I bring you to one? I prayed for him. He says, yeah. We brought him to the crisis center to take care of these wounds and then detox. He left. And today, I said, how you doing? And he cursed at me. This is the trouble we have out there. That's death. That's death. So... Just note, just before that prayer I left you with in the motel room, I experienced spiritual death. But guess where I was heading to? Physical death. That's from Satan. So if you don't serve God, you are serving Satan. This includes all of us in this church. It is not just me up here as an example of what sin looks like. It includes all of us. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But now, church, it is time to repent. Yes. Friends, we all need the gospel, for that is our hope and that is our saving grace. Let me take some, a moment here to talk about some sins. First, mine was addiction. We think drugs as the sin, right? Oh, no. The sin was pleasing self, that was the sin. My pride. I was using the drug as a tool. Medication, drugs aren't the sin. It's our heart. But there are a few more like gambling, nicotine, cigarettes, food, money, cars, jobs, sex, importance. Importance. Example. Look at me feeding the poor. Let me put that on social media. Religion. Religion. I am so spiritual. Our church has more members than you, and we feed more people. Some of these idols make us feel good and look good to the world. Amen? For example, when I I had two addictions, first was alcohol and then it was illicit drugs. I had a a moment in between there. As As I said, I'm a runner. When I was done with the alcohol, I started running up to 100 miles a week and, and, and doing well in, in uh, marathons and got seated. But that wasn't of God. That was of my idol chasing that. Running's healthy and it's good for you. God wants you to run, but he wants you to put you him first before that run. And now, as a disclaimer, I love and still run, but that's my prayer time. Glory to God for allowing it in my life. But it wasn't always like that. Please think on what is your idol before God. Some of these things aren't necessarily bad in themselves, right? For example, drinking alcohol is not a sin. (gasps) John, the addict tells you that? I'm not an addict anymore. No, if you're drinking wine at a dinner time in moderation, that's not the sin. The sin starts in the heart. If your goal in drinking is to get drunk or get buzzed, that's a sin like I was doing. So by nature, we were children of wrath, blinded to the truth, walking in the normal ways of the world, conforming to the rest of the culture, going from one gathering to the next event, to the next party, next movie or show, having dinners, having parties, oblivious of our sin. Hmm. Sounds familiar. Matthew chapter 24, 38 to 39 says, For as in those days... Before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And they did not understand until the flood came and took them all away. So will the coming of the Son of Man be. So friends, that was my darkness. That's what I struggled with. I was suppressing the truth in my addiction. The drug was more important than my wife, than my family, than my church. Huh, I didn't even have a church. than anyone in my life, the drug take precedence. I had a guy come to a, 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 one of the meetings I used to attend, still in my addiction. Uh, that was one of my merit systems showing that I'm doing good. I'm going to a meeting, but still didn't quit. And the guy asked the pastor there who ran this addiction meeting, he said, how many meetings should we go to? And he said, how many times did you pick up the drug during a week? Knucklehead. He said that. But that's the truth. Rain, snow, sleet, thunderstorms, I put on my jacket and went to get the drug. Mm. If it rains, we don't go to church. Mm. Think about that. Give me your attention, all your eyes right now. Church. Yes? Hello? Church. Yes. But God. Everything changes. But God. Verses 4 and 5. But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. I return to the conclusion of my testimony. Remember that I was, I was about to take my life. That was my hope and joy in, a moment in this broken down hotel room. Sores all over my body. Well, then something miraculous happened. It wasn't me. I was pulled to my knees by something greater than me. Something bigger than me. And that I know now is the Holy Spirit. I prayed a prayer, folks, I never prayed before in my life. This wasn't something I was praying for. I wasn't asking for nothing. I just, it went something like this. I was on my knees and I said, Lord, I surrender. I'm done do what you will with me and at that point i knew i was born again i just heard the terminology maybe a couple weeks ago because i had a peace of god that surpasses all understanding overcome me at that moment it was a nanosecond god can change your life in a nanosecond The peace of God was all over me, and I knew I was born again. John 3, 3 says, Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. An hour later, a knock at the motel room door. A little nervous because I don't want the drug dealers to come back. I opened that door, and it was my wife. Janine came back. She abandoned me. She's given all my stuff to my sister. And she knocked on that door. And I said, Janine, what are you doing here? You left me. And she said, John, crazy thing happened to me. About an hour before I came here, I prayed. And I said, Lord, I really love him. What do I do? And the Lord put on her heart. Stop trying to control it. Stop sending them to meetings. Go over there. Pick them up. And give them to me. And she came. And that's. Where I started. Seven months. Of rehab. And ministry training. training and that's. Where transformation to recovery was birth. Second Corinthians five seventeen says, "Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new." I went from dead in a motel to regeneration to salvation to restored to life, leading an addiction ministry. The gospel can do the same for this church. Restore you to new life. Are you struggling with a sinful lifestyle right now? Do you have not a relationship with Jesus Christ? If that is you, friends, we are so encouraged that you are here. And I believe God is speaking to you right now. Please know there is hope. There is hope. Jesus Christ suffered, died, and rose again for new life in you. The gospel saves lives. He wants to save you. Repent and believe in Jesus Christ and what he has done on the cross, and you shall receive eternal life. Life restored in Christ. Friends, God is rich in mercy and his great love, which he focuses on all of us. God's love is so great that it extends even to the unlovely, the children of wrath, such as myself. When you can say, I came from a children of wrath, I done wrong, I sinned, I'm sorry, I repent truthfully, God's going to restore your life. The problem is we're not doing that. Romans 5, 8 through 10 says, But God demonstrates his own love towards us, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him, For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of His Son, much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Friends, God through the Holy Spirit works from the inside out, resulting in a life transformed. Ezekiel uh, 36, 26-27 says, Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you, I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will be careful to observe all my ordinances. Brothers and sisters, he will restore your heart. Are you sitting here today with a problem? Me too. Because it doesn't stop because you're a Christian. But he can restore your heart and change your heart. Amen. And from the, from the addiction world, this is not a psychological or clinical behavioral modification or cognitive therapy. This is not a 12 step meeting that only works on delaying the symptoms from the exterior. This is not a disease. No, that cannot. None of those things can, can, can transform you or save you. There's only one, and that's Christ. Christ and his divine supernatural work through the Holy Spirit could do this. Listen to this, please. By grace you have been saved. Paul says this, uh, the, the work of God's grace, no way involving our merit. It's not us. Our salvation, our rescue from spiritual death is God's work done for the undeserving. It's not Christ plus. It's only Him. Through Jesus' work on the cross, we receive a restored life. Notice, friends, He did not wait until we were lovable. I wasn't lovable. He loved us even uh, when we were dead in our trespasses. Does that give you hope? Providing we provide nothing lovable to him. And he came to us. Ironically, this is the requirement for being saved. We must be dead. We must die. My prayer this morning was, Lord, help me to die. Because I need you. What I'm doing up here is not a simple thing. And I'm not trying to praise this. Me. What I'm saying is, this is so important. This is life-changing stuff we're talking about. This is not a joke. We have to die and receive God for new life. I don't care if you're doing drugs or alcohol or, or cigarette smoking or whatever. Whatever you're challenged with, we need to die and receive Christ. John five twenty four says, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has passed out of death into life. As we wrap up, I'm going to read verses 6 through 10. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the surpassing riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that is not of yourselves, it is a gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. We are now on an eternal spiritual journey with Christ. Colossians chapter 3, 1 through 4, spells that out perfectly. Therefore, if you have been raised up with Christ... Keep seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things on the earth. For you have died and your life is hidden in Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, is revealed, then you also will be revealed with him in glory. Friends, we now have a new identity. Our identity is in Christ. Since our identity is in Christ, as he sits in the heavenly places, so do we. We have, through him, put our old self off and put our new self on. This is only by his grace that you have been saved. Don't forget that. It is a gift of grace given to the undeserving. I don't deserve it. But I accept it in the will of Jesus Christ. We are not even saved by our faith. Faith is not a work, but it's by grace through faith. He gives us that faith. We are His workmanship, which translates the ancient Greek, hope I don't mess this up, poema. Poema. The idea is that we are His beautiful poem. You are His beautiful uh, people. The Jerusalem Bible translates worship as a work of art. You are a work of art. Beautiful people and a work of art. You were originally made for paradise, not sin. In fact, turn to the person next to you and tell them that you are special in Christ. And tell them you are a work of art. Amen. Friends, Jesus has changed my life. Twelve years ago, you wouldn't even want to say hello to me. That's it. Only twelve years. I was a mess. You wouldn't even identify me. The love of God that saves my soul will also change your life. I would be illegal if I didn't quote Spurgeon in a Baptist church. So here we go. Spurgeon says, Our new life is as truly created out of nothing as were the first heavens and the first earth. This ought to be particularly noticed, for there are some who think that the grace of God improves the old nature into the new. It does nothing of the sort. You are special, and you are totally brand new. Friends, we are predestined for God's vocation in our lives. Through the affliction of addiction, I was called to ministry. What is your calling? Ask Him in prayer. Mine started out in affliction. That should give us hope. He birthed this ministry. By His grace, we have this ministry. Not by anything else. Transformation to recovery came from God through the affliction of addiction. Bringing the light of the gospel to the darkness of addiction, he had birth, good works through faith resulting in fruits. I want to introduce Bob here. Right there, give him a hand. Bob is one of our Bible teachers. He comes from addiction and has a passion to bring the gospel to the guy in the the house. And Jim, our officer of the house, you've met him before, give him a hand. He is, he's been serving this ministry for over three years now. Such a great brother. These good works are valid evidence that someone is walking as one of God's chosen. Are you? As I close, I leave you with this question. Very simple. Is your identity in Christ? Meditate that tonight in your prayer. Is your identity in Christ? Friends, there is hope that is true. You can be restored to life. Let us pray. Father, thank you for your word. It's all you and not any of us. And Father, as we began this study of your word, we ask for forgiveness and we're going to ask again. For anyone in this room, including me, please forgive us of our wrongdoings and sins against you. For you only we sinned against. And Father, we we repent of our ways and turn to the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is what we need to do. And Father, just fill this whole church, everyone in here, and those on live stream. Fill them with the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit of God. Allow the word that was just spoken to penetrate our hearts and help us to continue to be sanctified and grow, to become, to be conformed to the image of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you.